Today's episode of 10 Questions is supported by HelloFresh. HelloFresh creates healthy and tasty recipes and supplies all the ingredients needed to make delicious meals with a free delivery to your doorstep once a week. Ingredients are fresh and sourced from local Australian farmers and fisheries and meals take about 30 to 40 minutes to prepare. They have three main boxes, the classic box, the vegetarian box, and the new family box. If you're in Australia, use the code QUESTIONS40, that's QUESTIONS40, and HelloFresh will give you a $40 discount on your first order of a meal box. That's pretty good. Get on board by going to hellofresh.com.au and punch in the code QUESTIONS40. We have ignition sequence start. Short distance, high impact. Five, four, three, two, all engines running. Ten questions with Adam Zwar. Big names, great minds. Make yourself a cup of tea. Liftoff. We have liftoff. Hello and welcome to Ten Questions. It was a busy week, but I was given the opportunity to interview Damien Carl, aka Humphrey B. Floor Bear of Tism, and I wasn't going to pass it up. The only chance our availabilities could coincide was when I was driving home from the airport. It rained. The traffic was terrible. You can't hear me properly. But I think it added to the charm of our chat. Now, I'm pretty sure most of you know Tism, which stood for This Is Serious Mum, a band that covered their faces and bodies with elaborate costumes and pumped out techno rock in the 80s and 90s. They were like an Australian George Carlin in the way they tore down everyone and everything that took itself a bit seriously or was a bit shit or was just there. Songs I remember most were He'll Never Be An Old Man River, Greg the Stop Sign, All Homeboys Are Dickheads, and my favourite, The Parable of Glenn McGrath's Haircut. Last year, there was a petition to make Tism Australia's representative at the Eurovision Song Contest. It received 16,000 signatures and still didn't happen, but Damien Cal was asked to judge. We talk about that. But the show-stopping part of this interview is when I ask him who he'd like to apologise to. With 304 songs devoted to ripping into the rich, the powerful, the famous, the corrupt and the ordinary, I was expecting him to hand out some sort of an apology and he did. This Saturday night, December 19, Damien joins Tony Martin at the Corner Hotel where they'll present Disco Christmas, the most inappropriate carols by candlelight of the year. Tickets are on sale at the Corner Hotel website. As usual, I started by asking Damien when he was most happy. That's uh, such a weighty question, um, Adam, and, and uh, you know, really opens the door to sort of uh, um, forlorn melancholy. You know, I, at this time, I'm supposed to say something like, um, you know, I remember a time when Dad used to come home from work and put the bush rug out on the uh, land room floor and we used to have fish and chips and I'd watch Doctor Who with John Pertwee and uh, he would give me a copy of Shoot Soccer magazine and they were beautiful times. But, you know, really, that's all bullshit because when that happened, I was probably thinking, you know, why won't um, Sandra Smallman go out with me? So I actually reckon um, I actually reckon that... Um, uh, the, the best way to answer this is because I, I love nostalgia um, and um, I'm in a nostalgic um, sort of frame of mind at all times and it's just about something I recently did. So, you know, in five minutes' time, I'm going to be looking back and going, oh, gee, I was, on a, I was having a lovely phone chat with Adam, you know, they were good times. So <laughs> I reckon, um, uh, you know, I, I reckon it's um, any time other than the present is my only way of answering that question. 
Yeah, I agree. I, I wish I could enjoy the now a lot, but I enjoy things enjoy things way more in retrospect. So. Yeah, I think it's I think it's the only way to to yeah to true happiness. You just have to wait five minutes, and you <laughs> you'll think yeah I was happy then. So as long as you've got a handle on that, you can you sort of navigate through life without suicide. Hopefully, who would you like to apologise to, and why? Um, it's a little known fact, but um, I was actually asked to be one of the judges for Australia on Eurovision this year, and. Um, and I couldn't do it. I couldn't say yes because I hadn't apologised to Richard Wilkins, you see. And Richard Wilkins was one of the uh, one of the judges. And um, I've got a song which which has a line which goes: um, "There's suicide bombs, pogroms, ethnic cleansing, Richard Wilkins." And um, <laughs> so you know, I, I haven't apologised to him for that. And you know, I haven't uh, I haven't apologised to Nick Cave either. Um, the the first interview I ever did as Tism, um, uh, I bet the um, I bet the journalist ten bucks that he wouldn't put a line in the interview which said Nick Cave thinks that Tism is the most exciting new band in Australia, and he put it in. So um, you know, it's a terrible terrible thing. Uh, I, I, you know, I'd like to apologise for Nick for that and. Well, you know, I'd like to apologise to um, Al from Ministry, Al Jorgensen. Um, you know, there was a rumour going around the big day out that uh, Al Jorgensen had to wear incontinence pants due to his heroin addiction, and, you know, well, I started that one. And um, and I'd like to apologise to Kylie Minogue and Ken Doan and uh, Radiohead, um, Angus and Julia Stone, River Phoenix, Female indie folk singers who sound like they're choking on a sausage roll, um, the Red Hot Chili Peppers, Chet Faker, the people of Roeville, Jim Morrison. I'd like to apologise to Michael Jackson, um, John Williamson, Yobbs, Wankers, T.S. Eliot, rich people, quite a lot of poor people. Um, I'd like to apologise to Nick Cave, uh, REO Speedwagon, Nick Cave, Hugo Race. Uh, Britney Spears, Fat Boy Slim Dusty, Americans, people who hate Americans. I'd like to apologise to Fairly Arrow, um, Stan Zamanik, Ivana Trump. Um, I'd like to apologise to all of Prince's girlfriends, um, the Jesus and Mary chain, Edie Sedgwick, Harold Holt, Laurie Anderson, uh, Sonic Youth, uh, Peter Reith, people who tweet on Q&A, um, Everyone at Coronella Beach. I'd like to apologise to Cristiano Ronaldo, Carl Stefanovic, Triple M. I'd like to apologise to Kevin Bloody Wilson, um, Harold fucking Wilson, um, Edson Arantes, <laughs> Donashimento, uh, Neymar, Kaká, Papu, The Wiggles, The Religious Right, The Lecturing Left. I'd like to apologise to <laughs> Pearl Jam, uh, Delta Goodrum, Peter Frampton, uh, Miranda Devine, uh, Andrew Bolt. Uh, is that enough? Yeah, we can no, stop now, yeah. can't we? <laughs> that's great, mate. Um, what yep. is your greatest regret? Well, yeah, well, that's a short one. Um, my greatest regret would be, you know, not finding proof that uh, Andrew Bolt and Miranda Devine are pretend fascists. It's, um, it's Christmas time, and I, I think Andrew Bolt. Uh, He's a, he'd be very tired and he'd settle down on Christmas Day with his family, you know, like you do after the relatives have all fucked off. He'd settle down with his family and and just have a, a beautiful, touching moment where he could turn to his wife and say, 
you know, it's really terrible the way the, the Muslim community are being pilloried. Uh, um, but, you know, that's the only time he's going to say it all year. And, and it, he's a very sad man because he's trapped uh, in being Andrew Bolt for 24 hours a day, you know. Um, yeah. That's my theory. Anyway, I, I could be that. wrong. I like that. It actually makes me feel better about him. Um, <laughs> you've got to what, do something, don't you? That's <laughs> exactly. What do you still feel you need to do to feel you've lived a satisfactory life? Um, I reckon uh, play in a St Kilda Premiership. Um, shit. Oh, wow. uh, well, that's that then, <laughs> isn't it? Wow. Yeah. That's a big one. That's the toughest one I've heard yet. <laughs> yeah, it is a bit. Uh, you know, even if St Kilda was a good team, still be uh, physically impossible. <laughs> who is the person who most influenced you and why? Um, yeah, this... this um, I often get asked this question. I always answer flippantly, which, you know, you'd be sort of saying, what, you mean your other answers haven't been flippant? But um, um, it's a guy by the name of Peter Minak, who uh, uh, was my uh, co-front man and good friend in TISM. And, um, you know, um, I was, uh, you know, we we had a very close friendship and we had a very sort of... um, a very singular sense of humour, Adam, and a very singular view of the world. But at the same time, I um, entertained this very serious um, ambition to be a proper serious rock star. And I was in this sort of no-hoper garage band, and I was writing all these try-hard, elusively poetic claptrap lyrics. And then one day out of the blue, Peter Minak, who wasn't in this band and you know wasn't a musician or anything, he wrote some lyrics all you know, of his own, and um, I looked at them and I went, shit, they're really good, and they're funny, and all he was doing, of course, was just being Peter Minak, and, uh, and um, you know, it was the sort of humour that, that we had and stuff, but, and I know that this kind of, I feel very much like I'm Delta Goodrum saying, you have to find your own unique voice. But um, that moment, you know, those lyrics on that piece of paper, the the sort of bird-like scrawling that he did, that changed his life and changed my life because that sort of uh, set in motion the the juggernaut that became Tism. And and for me, for me, it was like um, he, he sort of made me lift my game. I kind of went, well, you know, he can do that. Well, maybe I should stop trying to be a sort of third-rate um, Elvis Costello and and see if I can try and be a first-rate Damien Cowell, you know. And yeah, I've yeah. kind of, uh, you know, ever since I've been trying and failing, but, you know, I'll, I'll get there one day. So um, I, I think um, you have to just do what you, you have to, you know, like you can't be trying to be like your heroes and um, uh, because... I don't know. I don't know if people, you know, people who are cool, you know, rock stars and comedians who are actually cool, whether they they develop that at some point. But, um, you know, I was never cool or anything. So when I stopped trying to be cool was um, when I actually started doing anything that was vaguely worth it, you know. And uh, I think that's kind of... I reckon that's the, the real danger about the fact that um, these days uh, pop groups become mega famous when they're you know so young is because um how can they do anything else other than ape the people that that inspired them or ape their heroes you know it it takes um 
I reckon, years and years of uh, uh, rejection and uh, disappointment to realise that you should stop trying to be somebody else. And, um, mm. yeah, tis and yeah. bitter, brewed for years. That's what we always used to say, you know. <laughs> Damien, when was the last time you cried and why? Yes, well, <clears throat> this is. I actually have to say there's a scene in To Kill a Mockingbird, uh, the movie with Gregory Peck, where um, he's um, just finished, uh, you know, unsuccessfully attempting to get Tom Robinson off a rape allegation, and um, you know, so they they find Tom guilty, and uh, and everyone files out of the courtroom except Atticus, and then he gets up to go, but all of the uh, all of the black community in the town have stayed in their segregated section up top, and they all, uh, and you know, one chap goes to Atticus's daughter and son who happened to go up there, goes, um, Stan, your father's passing. And, um, you know, when Atticus leaves the courtroom, uh, they all stand. And um, for some reason, that really gets me, that scene. And um, uh, I I used to teach English, and um, I used to teach that to year 10s. So it was always this terrible. I reckon I've watched that movie about a thousand times. And um, every time that scene comes, I have to kind of turn around and look out the window. Otherwise, it would have gone, it's a cat going, you know. So um, there you yeah. go. There's a scene. And there's also a scene in um, American Beauty when uh, Kevin Spacey, just before he's about to get a bullet in the back of the head, uh, is looking at a photo of his wife and recalls, when they were happy together. That always gets me. And there's a scene in uh, The Apartment with Jack Lemmon and Shirley MacLaine where uh, Jack Lemmon um, takes a punch in the eye from Shirley MacLaine's character's brother because he, yeah. you know, because she took an over, tried to take an overdose and Jack Lemmon sort of uh, took the responsibility for it. And she gives him this look and uh, that always chokes me up as well. Terrible, isn't yeah. it? Terrible, oh. terrible. What an admission. How did you get this crap out of me? I cried those similar those similar moments. Isn't it funny? You know, in real life, I'll be stoked, but with those kind of films... <laughs> yeah, that's right. Never cry in real life, just some crappy fiction thing, you know? That's right. Um, <laughs> seven is, what is your current state of mind? Um, well, my mind works like this, Adam. Um, I have a thought, which is like something like, um, you know, gee, isn't it terrible what just happened to those people in Syria? And then the very next thought I have is um, you're just thinking that. You don't really believe that. You're just a white, middle-class, pampered Nancy boy, and you don't really give a shit about the people in Syria. And then I have a thought after that, which is you just had that second thought to make yourself feel okay about your middle-class guilt. And then I have a fourth thought about that which is you just had that third thought because you know really actually do feel for the people in Syria that's how my mind works you know so um I can't have a I can't have a single thought without um this sort of panel of experts critiquing it except they're all me you know (laughs) terrible that's right it's like it's like the judges in a gymnastics competition exactly yeah except they're all they're always low scores you know so so when I'm you know, when I was there at the nightclub and, and, and uh, you know, the, the beautiful Greek girl Effie comes up to me and says, uh, you know, have you got the time? Um, and, and, and I go, um, 
uh, you know, mistakenly thinking she's asking the time and go, yeah, it's 10 past 10 and she goes off. Immediately, the judges are all holding up twos in my head going, <laughs> you fuck with, you know. Yeah. That's how I operate, yeah. Uh, kind of similar, mate. Um, question eight, what do you consider your greatest achievement? The, the best thing I ever did um, in in my musical career was uh, we did a gig where we had, um, we, was part of a, was was a huge benefit thing or something. So they had a whole slew of bands on. So they had two stages at either ends of the um, venue. And because we knew that in advance, we planned this thing where uh, we would actually have two chisms. And um, so, because you could, you know, you could do that shit because obviously we had masks on and stuff. So um, <clears throat> we basically, uh, we kind of G'd the crowd up before we came on. And in those days, you know, it was an extremely... Uh, aggressive, uh, virulent mosh pit um, up the front. Only we came on at the back. And um, so then within the room, there's like 2,000 people in the palace and in, within the room, this, the, um, there was this sort of wave of people trying to get from the front of the, the, the front stage to the back stage. And, but by the time they got there, um, we actually did, did, did our song and pissed off up the side and came on the front stage. And so we then proceeded to um, do, you know, like two songs at one stage, two songs at the other, uh, one song at one, one song at the other. And then eventually we started introducing the second tism so that there would be one song immediately followed by tism playing another song at the end of the other end of the room. And then, of course, my piece de resistance was two tisms playing two different songs simultaneously at both ends of the room and um you know i wanted to i wanted to achieve that sense of being in the middle of two radio stations you know i'm sure it completely ruined the night for everyone in the audience but um i was patting myself on the back after that one let me tell you question nine is who would you want on your side in a battle and why I tried to think of who would be the most, uh, you know, who would be the most effective killing machine. And, and I think um, it has to go to the bloke called Gavrilo Princip, who was the uh, the Bosnian Serb who killed Archduke Ferdinand. Now, that um, that arguably uh, started off World War One, And uh, so, you know, the, the total cost of lives in World War One was 40 million. And then, of course, after World War, because of World War One and the terrible reparations against Germany uh, caused the rise of Hitler, which then uh, caused the, uh, uh, you know, gave him the opportunity to um, try genocide on, you know, six million Jews. And then, then you'd look at the sort of apparently 80 million lives in um, World War Two. And then if you add on, say, another million for the Arab-Israeli conflict, and then even worse than that, you know, the band Franz Ferdinand, and then you've got, like, um, there's, like, uh, over 100 million, um, uh, and, and all thanks to, to good old Gavrilo Princip. So I reckon on that basis, um, he'd, he'd make a fantastic half-forward flanker. So um, <laughs> that's my answer. And your final question is, uh, what would you like your last words to be? Oh, yes. Well, you know, I, I had to think about this one long and hard, Adam, and uh, and I think <clears throat> I think it's a very short answer. I think um, that they'd be to my wife, and it would go something like this. Um, <clears throat> Dahl, did you read the morning news? They reckon the Elixir for Eternal Life will be released next week. 
We have ignition sequence start. Short distance, high impact. Five, four, three, two, all engines running. Ten questions with Adam Zwar. Big names, great minds. Make yourself a cup of tea. Liftoff. We have liftoff. 